This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. The first show tonight is a tribute to the late Jerry Lewis, who passed away just a few weeks ago at his home in Las Vegas. He was 91. Lewis, the comedian, actor, and filmmaker, was adored by many, disdained by others, but was unquestionably a defining figure of American entertainment in the 20th century. Jerry Lewis knew success in movies, on television, in nightclubs, on Broadway, and in the university lecture hall. His career had its ups and downs, but... When it was at its zenith, there were few stars any bigger, and he got there remarkably quickly. Barely out of his teens, Jerry shot to fame shortly after World War II with a nightclub act in which the rakish and smooth Dean Martin crooned while the skinny, hyperactive Mr. Lewis capered all around the stage. Their move to radio wasn't as smooth as they would have liked. Reviews of the program's first broadcast indicated that the episode left much room for improvement. A Billboard reviewer wrote... Off the initial outing, the lads will have to do considerably better to live up to all the hype. Well, things obviously improved because the Martin and Lewis show was named Favorite Radio Comedy Show in Radio TV Mirror Magazine's 1952 poll. So let's go back to 1953 and give you a chance to hear the patter between the two and be reminded of the unusual pairing of talents that brought them so much success. <laughs> Jerry, come here, I want... Oh, George, you shouldn't have walked between Jerry and me. Oh, I'm sorry, fellas. We'll fix it. Bread and butter, Dean. Bread and butter. What goes up the chimney? Smoke. What do you smoke? Chesterfield. Right, and that's our bread and butter. <laughs> Which means the Chesterfield, first cigarette with premium quality in both regular and king size, brings you the Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis Show. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to bring you our master of ceremonies, Dean Martin. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Well, it's broadcast time again. We're all set to hold up our mad musical powwow. My wild Indian partner, Crazy Head Jerry, is in his wigwam sending up Chesterfield smoke signals. But he'll soon be here whooping it up with me side by side. In the meantime, Big Chief Richard, that's your musical cue to strike up the music. Oh, we got a barrel of money Maybe we're ragged and funny But we'll travel along Singing a song side by side We don't know what's coming tomorrow 
Maybe it's trouble and sorrow, but we'll travel the road, sharing our load side by side. Through all kinds of weather, what if the sky should fall? Just as long as we're together, it doesn't matter, matter at all. When they've all had their quarrels and parted, we'll be the same as we started, just a traveling along, singing a song side by side. my partner. You know, Jerry and I have been together for a long, long time. I remember the first time I met him. I was working by myself when a young boy came up to me and said, Need any help digging those ditches, mister? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jerry. So I dug ditches before I met you. That, that's because my family was very poor. So what? My family was poorer. Why, when I graduated from public school, my mother didn't get me long pants like the other kids had. What'd she do? She let down the hem on my diaper. Oh. <laughs> that may be so, but you were rich compared to us. Why, my mother had ten mouths to feed. No fooling. I thought the other nine were wrinkles. <laughs> we were much poorer than your family, Jer. Why, five of us kids had to sleep in the, in the bureau. Well, at least half of you had drawers. <laughs> Insist you had a tougher, eh? Oh, indeedy dee, I deedy do. In fact, Dean, there were 17 of us and we all slept on the floor. That must have been quite a sight. I'll say, did you ever see a room with wall to wall people? Never. <laughs> if this is going to be a contest about poverty, I must warn you, you're talking to a real bum. Why, in order to make ends meet, my mother had to take in sewing. You think that's something? My poor old mother had to take in washing. Well, lots of mothers take in washing. Cars? Never. <laughs> How could your mother wash cars in the house? Dean Martin, we may have been poor, but we had a very large sink. I'm surprised she didn't use the bathtub. That's ridiculous, Dean. <laughs> she couldn't have used the bathtub to wash cars. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was full of buses. Oh. <laughs> so your mother washed buses in the bathtub. And she used nothing but halo shampoo. Why not plain soap? Don't you realize Dean Martin's soaping dulls buses? Halo glorifies them. 
I just hate myself for forgetting. So your mother, your mother wore cars. Yeah. Well, doggone it. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Oh, I was a miserable child. Oh. <laughs> but I bet, I bet I was miserabler than you as a child. I was a dirty, filthy kid. <laughs> Look at that big shot bragging. Why, I was filthier than you'll ever be. Oh, yeah? Well, then top this if you can. I wore clothes with patches on them. I wore patches with clothes on them. <laughs> I can still prove I was poorer than you. Want to compare socks? Okay, smart Alec, I'll take you on. Okay, when I was a kid, I had only one pair of socks. Pair? <laughs> you had two socks? Well, naturally, I had two feet. You had two feet? Sure, everybody's born with two feet. I was born with only one. We were very poor. Okay, you beat me on socks. You want to try for shoes? Okay. This guy's a sucker for punishment. I will see. My shoes had a hole in the sole the, the size of a quarter. In my shoes, the holes were the size of a half dollar. So what? Lots of people have holes in their shoes the size of half dollar. In pennies? <laughs> Give up, booby. Let's try shirts. When I was a kid, Jerry, I wore shirts made out of flour sacks. <laughs> I used to wear shirts made out of bags of Vigoro. Vigoro? Oh, yes, on warm days. Oh, on those warm days, I used to break out in grass. <laughs> Shall we have a go at hunger, old chap? Splendid. <laughs> All right, talk this. We Martins were really a starved bunch. When our family sat around the dinner table, ooh, it was, was a stable, come to think of it. You know, we Martins were really a starved bunch. When our family sat around the dinner table, anything that even looked like food, we ate. After we finished dinner, Mother used to count the kids. Your turn, sweetie. Okay, Fink. All our spare money went to pay doctor bills for Grandpa. We had a bar to pay doctor bills for my grandfather. He suffered from a rare disease, curfew legs. Your grandfather had curfew late? At 10 o'clock, all the joints closed up. Why should I argue with you? I must be stupid. You're stupid? Why, I'm so stupid. That's all. I give up. <laughs> You know, folks, if I could write a book, I'd dedicate it to all the wonderful audiences, radio, television, motion picture, who have received Jerry and me with such great enthusiasm. But since my voice is mightier than my pen, I think I'll sing it instead. If they ask me could write a book about the way you walk and whisper and look. I could write a preface on how we met so the world would never forget 
And the simple secret of the plot Is just to tell them that I love you a lot Then the world discovers as my book ends how to make two lovers a friend. I'd like you to meet our guest for tonight. He's a chap I've known for a long, long time. I've known him for even longer. He used to go up to the bowling alley where I was the head pin boy. Okay, so you were the head pin boy. This fella is a famous movie star. Every time he came to the bowling alley, he used to ask for me. Oh, Jerry. He used to say, where's Pinhead Lewis? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce a great guy and a mighty fine actor. You can look forward to seeing him soon starring in the Herbert J. H. production, Fair Wind to Java. Here he is. That man among men and a greater man among women, Mr. Fred McMurray. Thank you. How are you, Dean? Uh, hi, Fred. Say, if that microphone isn't high enough, you can raise it. Oh, thanks. I think I will raise it. Uh, stuck. Get your hands off my neck. <laughs> Oh. Fred. <laughs> Fred, this is my partner, Jerry Lewis. This is a human being I'm looking at? <laughs> Here now, take heed, Mr. McMurray. I may be puning anemic and a skinny marink. <laughs> but the last one who insulted my physique was beaten within an inch of her life. Her? You mean you fought a girl? I didn't know her well enough to wrestle. <laughs> Jerry told me he met you once before. Is that true? Well, he does look familiar, but... Uh... Wait a minute. Jerry, didn't I see you the time I went abalone fishing? No. That's funny. I, I could have sworn I scraped something like you off a rock. That's possible, there, but I... Oh, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Dean. Now, let me see now. Look, Jerry, did you ever model labels for an iodine company? No. Is that clear? 
No. K-N-O-E. No. Fred, I'll give you a hint. Jerry claims he met you in a bowling alley. Now I remember. I knew it. This is the stupid, moronic, idiotic, imbecilic pin boy. Glory be, he remembers me. <laughs> well, I'm glad that's settled. You know, Fred, I envy your career in pictures, making love to all those beautiful stars. Well, Dean, it, it's not as great as it's cracked up to be, you know. All day long, you make love to Barbara Stanwyck, and then you go home. And all day, next day, you make love to Eleanor Parker, and then you go home. Then you make love to Claudette Coban, then you go home. Uh, what, what don't you like about it? Going home. Oh, I figured. <laughs> At least you don't meet these women only in your dreams like I do. Every night I dream that there's nothing but beautiful women left in the whole world and I'm the only man. Well, that sounds great. What great? In a dream, I'm 82 years old. <laughs> oh, believe me, fellas. Fame in pictures is fleeting. You know, that's why I invested my money in a cattle breeding ranch. Hey, Jer, that's what you ought to do. Breed cattle. I can't. My nostrils aren't wide enough. <laughs> no, Jerry. Jerry, what Dean means is that I go in for animal husbandry. Animal husbandry? Yeah. You mean you have a lonely hearts club for cows? <laughs> no, it's experimental work, Jer. Fred went to school and studied animals. A likely story. <laughs> what do you mean, a likely story? I did, too, go to school and study animals. Okay, let's see you say something in horse. <laughs> Jerry, will you stop? Yeah, now, look, Jerry, I don't talk horse, but I can tell you about my breeding experiments with other animals. I once crossed a cow with a sheep. A cow and a sheep. What'd you get? Wool and milk. Oh, <laughs> You think that's something? My uncle once crossed a mouse with an elephant. What'd he get? A rat that never forgets. <laughs> What's a rat got to remember? Ha-ha! <laughs> uh, uh, my experiment with cattle breeding has really paid off, you know? It's not like it used to be in the old days when we had to drive the cattle thousands of miles to market. Yeah, we owe a great deal of thanks to the people who built the railroads across this country. Well, Fred, we can't thank them in person, but we can thank them for the sketch. Penniman? Uh, yes, Dean. Start thanking. Uh, thank you, Dean. Forget it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Chesterfield players present Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, and Fred McMurray in a regular saga of the king-size men who built the first regular railroad across our king-size continent. It's the story of regular cattlemen who welcomed the king-sized railroads and of the very, very sad Indians who lived a hard and unhappy life entitled... Blackfeet, Why Are You Blue? I'm with the Santa Fe Roadbed Company. I'm the president, Ralph Roadbed. This is the only business I've ever known. I've got railroads in my blood, and believe me, it's not good. Every time I cut myself shaving, I bleed train. I'm head of the construction crew. My full name is Sidney Head. I'm in charge of clearing the land by cutting down the trees. I work like a beaver, and it's not easy. So far, I've worn out four front teeth. I'm no beginner in the railroad business either. I go way back. My name is Ludwig Caboose. Of the labor gang working out of New York. 
We can't lay any more track in this hot sun. Look at our construction crew. They're dying like flies. How come? They are flies. <laughs> you hired flies to build this railroad? And a shrewd move it was, too. When the road is finished, we won't have to lay them off. What do we do? Swat them. <laughs> boss, 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 boss We'll have to lay our railroad track faster I just checked and they're getting ahead of us Who's getting ahead of us? The people putting up the Burma shave signs <laughs> Don't worry We'll beat them yet We've only been laying this track for three years How much track have we laid? Three inches <laughs> In three years you've only laid three inches of track? Men, I may be slow, but I'm neat so slowly, but slowly, our track building labors went on. We were scheduled to meet the construction crew building eastward from California in Pismo Beach on New Year's Day. Onward we built New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio. Illinois, Missouri, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Texas, 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 New York. What are you doing back in New York? Isn't the fair still going on? <laughs> At last the day is near, the great day when both ends of the railroad are to meet. I'm scared that somebody will beat me to the honor of hammering in the last spike. I, too, am scared that somebody will beat me to the honor of hammering in the last spike. I'm more scared than both of them. I'm Spike. <laughs> Men, for three weeks we've been digging this tunnel through the mountain. I'm ready to quit. Well, it's a good thing for us. We found a place to dump all the sand and gravel, huh, boss? Boss, why don't you say something? I can't. My mouth is full of sand and gravel. <laughs> boss, forget this tunnel. I found a shortcut. I laid the tracks over that mountain over there. You must be going crazy. There is no mountain over there. There isn't. Well, don't just stand there, men. Gather rocks. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's quit. We can't build this railroad any further. But we must. We just must. We just must or bust. <laughs> Uh, we can't quit when we're so close to our goal. Look, there's the geyser, old faithful. Yes, and it's shooting water up 5,000 feet. Man, dig that crazy drinking fountain. <laughs> hey, look. One of our horses just bent over to take a drink from it. What happened to the horse? He's now a giraffe. <laughs> that figures, yeah. Uh, we better be careful from now on, men. We're approaching Indian country. I can tell by the signs. What signs? That one over there. It says you're now approaching Indian country. <laughs> Look, the Indians know we're here. They're sending up smog signals. You mean smoke signals? These are California Indians. <laughs> but yeah. why is the smog so black? They're talking dirty. <laughs> I just got one of the Redskins. I shot him under the blanket. Did you kill him? No, but I knocked him out of bed. Good. I just got their 
Lee at Chief Standing Bull. Uh, you mean Sitting Bull. You don't know your Indians. You don't know where I got them. <laughs> we made it, men. We made it. We really made it, men. There comes... <laughs> there comes the railroad crew we were supposed to meet. Hello, East to West. I'm West to East. We just finished our end of the railroad. We just finished ours, too. Yeah, now somebody better hurry and invent the train. <laughs> but look at the track you laid. It's so thin. Yeah, we ran out of steel, so we had to use spaghetti. <laughs> yeah, but you'll never get a train to ride over that track. It's so lumpy. How do you like that? We forgot to take out the meatball. Yeah. You know, friends, every singer has a mental scrapbook in which he keeps all the songs that he has ever liked. And so tonight I go to the scrapbook for a song that will always be one of my special favorites. Alone Alone with the sky of romance Above Men for love, there must be someone waiting who feels the way I do. Whoever you are, are you? Are you alone, alone on this night that we two could share, alone, alone with your kiss that could make me care. And when you come, I'll promise to be your very own. Alone, alone with a heart meant for you. the kind of singing we ranchers like to hear when we're sitting around the old bunkhouse. Well, thanks, partner. You know, if you boys ever get a weekend off, why don't you come out the ranch? I'll let you ride one of my horses. Not me. The last time I got on a horse, his head fell off. <laughs> his head didn't fall off. You got on the horse backwards. <laughs> oh, and all the time I thought he had long eyelashes. Yeah. <laughs> well, the offer still goes, fellas. 
Give me a buzz when you want to come down. Be my guest. Well, thanks. Uh, that's a mighty good offer, and uh, you've been a mighty good guest for us. That's right. Our door is wide open for your return visits anytime, and thanks very much, Fred. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, Jerry. So good, long, night, good night, Fred. Good night. So until next week, this is Dean Martin. And this is Jerry Lewis saying good night, everybody. God bless y'all. From Hollywood, you just heard transcribed the Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis show. Produced and directed by Dick Mack. Written by Arthur Phillips and Austin Kalish. With music prepared and conducted by Dick Stabile. And this is George Fenneman reminding you to listen to Chesterfield's award-winning show, Dragnet, Sunday night on this same NBC station. Stay tuned for The Lone Ranger next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Let's go back to 1942 for another episode with The Lone Ranger and his buddy Tonto. For the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty high silver, the Lone Ranger. Companion Tonto, the masked rider of the plains, led the fight for law and order in the early western United States. The stories of his strength and courage, his daring and resourcefulness have come down to us through the generations, and nowhere in the pages of history can one find a greater champion of justice. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. From out of the past come the thundering hoofbeats of the great horse Silver. The Lone Ranger rides again. On Silver, a danger on the trail ahead. Oh, Silver! Hi! 
Lenny towered well over six feet in height, and his 240 pounds of weight were perfectly distributed. The dark-haired giant seemed perfectly content with his job as top cowhand on the Gentry Ranch a few miles south of town. His only other interest was Barbara, Cal Gentry's motherless daughter. Lenny's locket had always been a mystery to Barbara, and questions about it seemed to embarrass him. Why should a huge man like Lenny wear a tiny gold locket suspended on a slender chain around his bull-like neck? Barbara had never ceased to be curious, and today was no exception, as she and Lenny rode her father's buckboard down the main street of Twin Forks. Why do you wear it, Lenny? Is it something your mother gave you a long time ago? No, ma'am. Then maybe your girl gave it to you. Have you ever had a girl, Lenny? No, ma'am. You must have gotten it someplace. Yes, ma'am. You know, I'm not the only one who wonders about you wearing that locket. I've heard the boys in the bunkhouse talking about it. Have you? They think that maybe that's the secret of why you're so strong. That you're just like Samson. If you ever lost the locket, you'd lose your strength. Is that right? No, ma'am, it ain't. Oh, Lenny, why don't you answer me? Well, I am answering you, Miss Barbara. No, you're not. You're just... Oh, here we are by the dry goods store. Stop now. Sure. Oh, oh, you could Now, wait for me, Lenny. I'll only be Not a little just while. Just a minute. <clears throat> Let me help you down. Thank you, Lenny. I... Oh. What's the matter? There's Ed Winters coming up the street. He'll try to stop me. He always does. Don't you worry about him, Miss Barbara. I'll, I'll do nothing of the kind. Situations like this must be handled diplomatically. Uh, what's that? You wouldn't understand. I detest Ed Winters. But you know as well as I do that his father owns the bank. Dad owes the bank money. That ain't no reason for him to get smart with you. If he even so much as... I can take care of Ed Winters. You just wait for me. Yes, him. Well, if it isn't Barbara Gentry. Good afternoon, Ed. Well, you're looking prettier than ever. Thank you for the compliment. Say, uh, how about you and me? I'm sorry, Ed. I'm in a hurry. Oh, wait a minute. Is that the way you talk to all of your friends? By grabbing their arms? Oh. Let go. Kind of snippy today, ain't you? Oddly enough, you're right, Ed. I'm going in here and buy some silk for a new dress. And I intend to spend the whole afternoon snipping it. Good afternoon. <laughs> well, Ed, looks like the gentry girl kind of put you in your place. Why, that little... <laughs> I'll go in there and... and do what? Oh, hello, Lenny. Hello. Did you say you were going to do something, Winters? What business is it of yours, you big ox? I make it my business. Yeah? I know you tag her on after that gentry girl, but I'm not as scared of you. I do what I please. Sure you do, long as you don't bother Miss Barbara. I suppose I got to ask you before I speak to her. No, yet. And keep out of my way. I don't care how big you are. I can whip you any day in the week. Maybe... Would you like to try it? I wouldn't dirty my hands. Seems like you need a lesson, Winters. Not from you, you dirty... Hey, hey, they're going to tangle, folks. Hey, Ed Winters ain't doing so bad at that. Let's get him playing with him. Yeah, wait. Hope he's trying to stop a longhorn steer. Oh, that did it. That did it. That late Winters out cold. And Lenny's hair ain't even lost. What in the world? Lenny. Yes, sir. And Ed Winters, why, why... Oh, he ain't hurt, miss. He'll be all right. What happened? Well, Ed just made the mistake of using his chin to stop Lenny's fist. <laughs> I told you to wait in the buckboard. This was a job that needed doing, Miss Barbara, and I... Come on, we're going home at once. Yes, sir. <laughs> Get up there. 
<laughs> that Miss Barber sure is many trained, ain't she? <laughs> yeah, and it's a mighty good job of training, too. <laughs> <laughs> A few moments after the fist fight on the main street of Twin Forks, an Indian rode a paint into a small grove of cottonwood trees a short distance from town. Wolf's come home, fella, home. Home, fella, home. What's wrong, Toto? Huh? Me see fighting. Main street of town. That's so? Who was fighting? Ed Winters, son of banker, and Lenny from Gentry Ranch. Lenny and Ed Winters, huh? Ah. I don't need to ask what the result was. Winters has had a good beating coming to him for a long time. Ah. What caused it? Well, Winters talked to Gentry Girl, and Lenny not like it. I don't blame him. Big crowd watch fight. When it's over, they leave. Then Tonto sees something on ground. Pick it up. What was it? It's gold. Lenny always wear it round neck. Well, you mean Lenny's locket. He must have lost it during the fight. Ah. Him gone when me find it, so me bring it here. Now, let me see it, Tonto. Ah. Hmm. So this is Lenny's locket. I've seen it around his neck dozens of times. This is the first time I've ever examined it. Well, that block of big medicine make him strong? No, Tonto. I don't think this has anything to do with Lenny's physical strength. Although some people like to believe that story. Oh, why him keep it? Probably for some sentimental reason. Hmm. You open it? Yes, I... Well, I've known Lenny for several years. I never thought... Oh, we not keep it. Oh, no, of course not. We'll wait till after sundown, then ride out to the Gentry Ranch and return it to Lenny. And just as Tonto had brought the news of the fight on the main street of Twin Forks, another man who had witnessed it was riding in the opposite direction to tell the same story. He spurred his Mustang along a rocky trail which led through Blackstone Canyon. Finally, he reined up before a small cabin that was well hidden in dense underbrush. Oh, oh you cows! Hey, boss, Pete! Blake, where you been? In town. Did you look over that bank layout like I told you to? No, boss, I couldn't. I didn't have time. You I... didn't have time. I suppose you had more important things to do. No, not that. There was a fight right across the street from the bank, and I stopped to watch it. Fight? Oh, you stopped to watch a fight? What kind of a gang have I got here, anyway? If I want anything done right, I better do it myself. But, boss, I... You know I can't show myself in the daylight. I'm going to spot this broken nose of mine in a minute. So I send you to look over a bank job, and what happened? Wait, let me tell you about this fight I saw. I don't care anything about it. Yes, you do. Huh? One of the hombres in this scrap was tall. Real tall, over six feet. And big, chest on him like a bull. He's got black curly hair and blue eyes that kind of squint. I tell you, I... What? Hey, boss, that sounds... Shut up. Are you sure, Link? I saw him, didn't I? With my own eyes. So, that big cut is still alive, huh? And right here in Twin Forks. Yeah, he's punching cows on a ranch near here. Yeah? Where? A top hand for a gent you know pretty well. Cal Gentry. Gentry? Can you imagine that? Him working for Gentry and us... Shut up, Pete. You blab too much. Well, what do you think of it, boss? Couldn't be better. <laughs> You've heard of killing two birds with one stone, ain't you? Yeah. 
Are you meeting Gentry tonight? Sure. How do you know he'll show up? He'll be there. Oh, by the way, did you find whether that banker's kid, uh... And what's his name? Ed Winters. And he ain't no kid. Never mind that. Is he still sweet on the Gentry girl? Sure. That's what the fight was about. The big fellow almost killed him. He packs a stiff punch. <laughs> Good. If everything works out tonight, it'll be one of the last punches he'll ever throw. And at this same time, Lenny was entering the living room of the Gentry Ranch House. As usual, the big man's steps were slow and deliberate, even though he anticipated his employer's angry outburst. Lenny, what's this I hear about you in a fight this afternoon? I guess you heard right, Cal. Well, I don't like it. Barbara tells me you almost broke Ed Winter's neck. Uh, I guess I did hit him a mite too hard. Why? Well, the critters started to shine up to Miss Barbara. And I suppose you didn't approve. Nope. Lenny Ed Winters happens to be the son of the man who owns the bank. The bank that holds a mortgage for $10,000 on this ranch. The bank that only three days ago took a second mortgage for $5,000. And you beat Ed Winters into a pulp. You ain't figuring on paying off those mortgages with Barbara, are you, Cal? No, of course not, but... Oh, what's the use? You wouldn't understand. Things are breaking kind of tough for you, ain't they, Cal? Worse than that. Lenny, did you ever hear of a man named Bat Cummings? Bat Cummings? Uh, an outlaw, wasn't he? I think so. An outlaw killed two or three sheriffs some years ago. He's a small, misshapen man with a broken nose. Nope, I don't think I know any Bat Cummings that looks like that. Well, if you really want to do something for Barbara, and me too, save your strength to manhandle that buzzard if you ever see him. Is he causing you any trouble, Cal? Plenty. Oh, but there's nothing you can do. That'll be all, Lenny. I've got some work to do. Sure. I, uh... I just want to ask you one thing. Yes, Lenny, what is it? In that scrap up in Twin Forks, I lost my locket. Uh, can I go back tonight and look for it? <laughs> you know, if it weren't so serious, it'd be funny. I'm worried about losing a ranch, and you're worried about a lost locket. Uh, yes, Lenny, you can go back and look for it. After the evening chores are done. Thanks, Cal. Thanks a lot. In the soft half-light of a rising moon, Lenny walked slowly toward the corral where his horse was waiting. Lenny. Uh, what the... Come here. Uh, Mash man and an engine. Who are you? I thought you'd remember me, Lenny. We've met before. The Lone Ranger and Tonto. That's right. Well, what are you doing here? Tonto found your locket this afternoon, after the fight. And we brought it back to you. Here. My locket... Oh, thanks, thanks. I knew how much you prized All right, you're just reach. All of you. Somebody behind us, Tonto. Mm. They've got us covered. Right, you big lout. I don't know who your friends are. I know who you are. Shut you're... up. I'll plug the first one of you that makes a move.
The curtain falls on the first act of our Lone Ranger story. Before the next exciting scenes, please permit us to pause for just a few moments. continue our story. In the deep shadows close to the corral on Cal Gentry's ranch, the Lone Ranger, Tonto, and Lenny are faced with the menacing guns of three outlaws. Now turn around slow, all three of you. Get your hands over your shoulders. I do what they say. Maybe we jump them out till I give the word. Hurry it up and cut out that talk. Don't try anything sudden or we'll blaze away. Look, boss. One of them is masked. Well, so he is. I reckon the big fella ain't improved his company none. Why, you dirty little... Here we are. Well, what do you want? That's my business. Drop your guns out of your holsters. Slow like. Come and get them. All right, Lank. Go on. Nothing doing, boss. I'm not getting near them. Well, never mind. Just watch him. You two boys stand guard like it back. I won't be long. Shoot if they make a sudden move. We will. Better not try it. Mangy sidewinders, they've been blackmailing poor Cal Gentry. They have? Or what? Oh, it's something he did a long time ago. He didn't even know he was making a mistake. Those crooks seem to know you. They do. Dread it. There ain't nothing needs talking about. You three keep still. Hey, Lank, the boss is coming back again. Good. Didn't take him long. Hey, boss, you get what you went after? I always get what I go after. Now we get the horses and take these three along with us. I'll get them. You, name your horses. They don't need going after. They'll come if we call. Well, then call them. Yes, Silver. Come, Scout. Well, them's prime horses. Maybe we can use them. Here's our horses. Are we ready to get going now, boss? Yeah. Not yet. Out, Tonto. At them, Silver. Look out. Watch that white one. He's slinging hoofs like a wood chopper. Now stop him. No, you don't. Stand back. Boys, get out of it. Make a break. Take Lenny. Oh, shoot, Tonto, he's got Lenny. Hi, Taylor. Get up there. No, shoot. They're using Lenny as a shield. Ah, uh, me see him. What's the matter? Steady, Silver. We're not riding yet. Hold it, Tonto. What was the gunfire? Who were... Masked and outlaws. The outlaws just left. Lenny. He went with them. No, no, I don't believe Not from choice. Are you Miss Gentry? Yes, I... But... Come on, where's your father? He was in the living room working. Take me to him. Where were you? In the bedroom. Who are you? A time for that later. I... I don't understand. Where's the living room? Please hurry. Straight ahead. Dad must have heard the shooting. Which door? That one. Dad! Well, they knocked him out. Here, I'll help you. I'm all right. Coming to now. Here, sit here, Dad. Who did this to you? Uh, Never mind, Barbara. Oh, mask man, who are you? I don't know who he is, Dad, but but I think he's trying to help us. Lenny, where's he? The outlaws forced him to ride with them. Yes, I'm kind of confused. I'll ride into Twin Forks and get a doctor. Oh, no, child, I don't need a doctor. But I would like to have something hot to drink. Could you fix it for me? Of course, Dad, right away. It'll only take a minute. Excuse me, maybe that rap on the head affected my eyesight. Seems like I can see an Indian standing over there. It is an Indian, Mr. Gentry. He's my friend, Toto. I don't know your names, either of you. Names aren't important. How do you happen to be here in my house? Well, we rode out of here this evening to see Lenny. Toto found his locket. We were returning it. Oh, yes, he told me about losing it. 
You were robbed, weren't you? In a way, yes. Blackmail's a better word. Todd and I are going to trail those men. Anything you can tell me about them will help. Well, if you're trailing them, I'm going with you. You better wait till you feel better. Oh, uh, tell me, Mr. Gentry, how could they blackmail you? It's something I've never told anybody. Has it anything to do with Lenny? Lenny? Of course not. Well, I guess as long as you've dealt yourself in the game, I might as well show you my hand. What is it? Well, I'll tell it quick before Barbara gets back. Is she part of it? She's everything. To me and to the story. It happened almost 16 years ago this winter. I just built this place. Then my wife died. I was just batching along here all alone, not caring much about anything. Then one night, right in the middle of a rainstorm, there came a knock at the door. Who is it? Why don't you talk plain enough to understand? You want? You kill Gentry? Yeah. I need your help and I need it bad. What for? You know, there's a war between the nesters and the cattlemen over on the other side of the canyon. I've heard about it. They burned down my house over there, killed my wife. Now they're after me. You want to hold up here, is that it? No, I'm going south. I can beat them across the border, but I can't take this with me. What do you mean? Yeah, you hold it. Her? You mean it's a baby? Yeah. You can't leave a baby here. I don't know anything about babies. I've got to leave her someplace. Them cattlemen are on the prowl. They're after us, Nestor. Well, I don't blame them. I don't want any Nestor's child cluttered up my house here. Take her back. I can't do it. There's four of us riding south, and we've got to travel light. Oh, wait. Wait. At least tell me your name. Well, it's, it's Cummins. Bad Cummins. But you don't need to hang that handle on that kid. So long. Get up there. Come on, boy. Get up. A baby. Me with a baby. Now, what in the... No, no, no. no. Wait a minute, young man. Don't yell at me. I don't like this any more than you do. And by gee, Hossifat, I'm going to give you to someone else just as doggone soon as I can. But I didn't get rid of her. I couldn't. Little Jigger started making eyes at me right the next day. Then she'd grab hold of my finger and hang on real tight. Kind of grabbed onto my heart, too, I guess. And inside of a month, I was raising her. Even picked out a name for the tyke. Barbara? Yeah, might have known you'd figure it out. Yeah, it's Barbara. And it's something I've never told her. She thinks I'm a real pa, that my wife was her mother. You've never told because of Bat Cummings? Well, do you blame me? I've heard of the critter several times and was always bad. When he left here, he went on the prod for good, killed a couple of sheriffs. Tell me, what did this man look like, the one who left the baby with you? Cummings? He's small, kind of twisted-like, and he's got a broken nose. Yes, I saw him tonight. This is the third time I've seen him in the last two months. He showed up here after all these years and threatened to tell Barbara he was a real pa. I couldn't let her in for news like that, so... So I paid off. How much? Five thousand each time. A mortgage, my place to get the cash. Tonight I was supposed to meet him down by the canyon trail at midnight, but he showed up here early and hit me over the head. Well, now you know everything, stranger. Just one thing more. What does Lenny have to do with all this? Lenny? Why, nothing at all. Lenny's just a cowpoke that drifted in here a few years ago. Worked for me ever since... Thinks a lot of Barbara. Tries to protect her all the time. Yes, I know he does. Here's some hot tea, Dad. See if it makes you feel any better. Oh, thank you, child. I'm sure it will. I think Tonto and I had better be going. There's some outlaws to trail. No, wait. Don't forget, I'm going with you. Do you feel strong enough? Oh, take more than a wrap on the noggin to put me out. And some more of that tea. <sighs> Yeah, come on, I'm ready. Where are you going? After the hombres that are holding Lenny. I'll go with you. No, no, Barbara, I don't well, think... Why not let her come along, Mr. Gentry? We'll keep her out of danger. Of course I'm coming. We'll have to hurry. If we don't get started soon, the trail will be too cold for even Tunnel to pick up. All right, come on. Come on. 
few hours later, the Lone Ranger, Tonto, and Cal Gentry and Barbara picked their way along the trail that led to the outlaw's canyon hideout. Suddenly, Tonto called a halt. Oh, Scott, hold on, Trail same, men walk. Maybe better we do same. Easy, Silver. Yes, I think you're right, Tonto. We'll go ahead on foot. Shall we? No. You and Barbara wait here with the horses. We don't know what we'll find, but if we need you, we'll call. Come on, Tonto. Much longer are we going to stall around here? Why don't you put a slug through this big armory and let's get moving? Yeah. Why don't you do that, Chris? I'm no good to you now, am I? <laughs> You're good for me to look at a little while longer, you big ape. Think, after all these years, I find you working on the Gentry Range. It's really going to be a pleasure to beef you. You didn't have those guns on me. You I... wouldn't do nothing with those hands tied together. Hey, boss, look there. What is it? An engine and a masked man coming up the trail. Frank. Yeah. Keep a gun on this hombre. I'll cover the window. Get your rifle, Pete. You can pick him off from the door. Here. There they are. Start pumping. What's the matter with you? They talked. I can break this window and do more with a six gun than you're doing. Hey, that lead's coming up for close. Keep shooting. Oh! Oh! Hand. Oh, Put out that rifle. You got your cover from both sides. I got to do it, boss. Me too. They're all here, Tonto. There's Lenny's hands are tied. Help him. Uh -huh. Fine bunch of outlaws. We heard the shooting. What's happened? Why, you want it? Watch out for Gun. Him got Gun. Go. No, you won't. Gentry. Lenny jumped in front of Barbara and took the bullet. Lenny. Keep those men covered, Tonto. Uh -huh. Lenny, is he hurt bad? Yes. I'm afraid so. Oh, Lenny. Look it. My luck. It's for you, Miss Barbara. I, I... He wants you to have his locket, Barbara. Here. Easy, Lenny. I'll take it off. That all right, Lenny? Your... Your pa, Miss Barbara. Cal's the best pa. Of course, Lenny, but... He's... Yes, he's gone. It died before I could tell you. Tell me what? I think the answer's inside the locket you're holding in your hand. Lenny's locket? What? Open it, Barbara. Three pictures. Man, woman, and a baby. Do you recognize them? The man? Why, it's Lenny. The woman's his wife. The, uh, the baby could be you, Barbara. Me? You mean Lenny was Barbara's real father? I'm sure of it. We'll find out soon enough. You, over there. Tell your story and tell it straight. Yeah, you're right. The night Bat Cummings' house is fired, I swiped his kid. He thought the kid and the ma were both burned. And you're not Bat Cummings. No, that was his handle, the hombre you called Lenny. We were all on the prod together. And somehow he found out about the kid being with you, so he turned straight and disappeared. I didn't know where he was until I found him working for you. Poor Lenny. A secret he couldn't tell because he was outside the law. I don't care what he was. I'm proud of him. You have reason to be, Miss Barbara. And I'm proud too, child. I, I guess there never was a girl as lucky as I've been to have had two fathers all these years. Guard the prisoners, Tato. I'm going to Twin Forks and get the sheriff. Uh -huh. Who is that man? 
The man with the mask. Uh-huh. And that Lone Ranger. just heard is a copyrighted feature of the Lone Ranger Incorporated. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Inner Sanctum, followed by Jack Benny. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.